Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each week we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic update from our in-house economics team. And once again, we say good morning to our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Matthew, the economic newswise seem to have taken a bit of a breather this week with what seems like very little economic data being released globally. Yes, that's right, Craig, and, and good to be back at the QPod on a, a very sunny Friday morning here in Brisbane. Fantastic. What we did have this week, though, Matthew, was the release of the RBA minutes, which highlight just how critical they saw the federal government's income support schemes in keeping our economy afloat. This was, of course, off the back of Governor Lowe's comments at his testimony to the House of Reps Standing Committee on Economics last Friday, where he was literally peppered with questions around what else the RBA could do to support the economy. Could you please lay it out for our listeners as to what the RBA is saying? Well, the overarching message, Craig, of of both the minutes uh, and Governor Lowe's testimony to the House of Reps uh, Economics Committee is that monetary policy settings are appropriate. Interest rates are at all-time lows. There's ample uh, credit being made available to households, businesses and the governments, and that financial conditions are stable. Particularly in his testimony to the House of Reps Committee, Governor Lowe and the RBA are saying that the problem facing the Australian economy at the moment is not one of tight credit conditions or prohibitive interest rates, but rather a lack of confidence among households and businesses leading to high savings rates or reluctance to borrow, a desire to pay down debt and an unwillingness to spend. In essence, the RBA is saying we can lead the horse to water, but we can't make it drink. Of course, politicians and a growing number of commentators are in fact pressuring the RBA to do more. But the RBA has been pointing out that some of the more unconventional policy levers that it has at its disposal come at potential costs or side effects that limit the effectiveness uh, to stimulate spending, which, according to the RBA, is the key problem facing the economy at the moment. Yeah, thanks, Matthew. And I want to pick up on that last comment there around unconventional policy levers. I guess what we can also see that's happening or what the RBA is saying, um, but what is it they are really wanting to say? Are we now in a situation where Lowe is calling for the government to step up to the plate even more in terms of increasing fiscal policy support? Or are we facing the reality that the RBA will be doing much more heavy lifting in the form of additional monetary policy measures, such as lowering interest rates? And that begs the question, Is negative interest rates a possibility for Australia, Matthew? The RBA is clearly pressuring the government to do more. They are supporting and encouraging extensions to the income support programs, the the JobKeeper and the JobSeeker supplement, but they're also pushing the government to do more direct spending. The argument, which we've talked about often on previous QPods, is that there is significant leakage from the income support packages of the government to savings, which is limiting the impact of those uh, policies on spending and the economy. So the government spending, on, on the other hand, when the government does spending, that goes one for one or dollar for dollar into the economy and therefore provides greater economic stimulus than the income support packages. We in the RBA have been calling for greater government infrastructure spending, uh, for example, as a way to inject stimulus into the economy. But the interesting thing is that critics of the RBA have sort of flipped this argument about leakage around and made it an argument against current RBA policies. What they have been arguing is that a significant amount of the liquidity that the RBA has made available 
to the economy has not actually ended up in the economy. Rather, it has leaked. Um, the way it's leaked is it's ended up in the reserve accounts commercial banks hold with the RBA. So the argument there, Craig, is that from the point of view of the bank, um, if I can earn a positive rate on funds parked with the RBA, that's in their reserve accounts, with no risk, what incentive is there for me as a bank to push funds into risky loans with households and businesses for just a few basis points of interest more? Uh, they also point to the low take-up uh, rate of commercial banks from the RBA's term funding facility, which has only seen a fraction of the uh, the usage of funds that are made available through that scheme. Um, those critics of the uh, of the RBA um, argue that to flush this liquidity, this latent liquidity in, uh, into the economy, um, what the RBA needs to do is set a negative cash rate. So if commercial banks are losing on their excess reserves with the RBA, they will be more willing to lend to households and businesses at higher interest rates. But perhaps the main benefit of uh, negative rates would be from downward pressure on the exchange rate, which we're seeing climbing in recent times. That would stimulate the economy through improving our international competitiveness, of course. Yeah, and Matthew, I don't believe we've had a period of negative interest rates in Australia in the past. So you talked there about the potential impact to, say, the terms of trade for Australia, which would be a positive. But what do negative interest rates mean for Australia? Like, for example, will it stimulate growth because people will spend more? Can you paint a picture of what it might actually look like? Well, the RBA emphasises the adverse impact uh, that negative rates have on the profitability of uh, commercial banks. Uh, of course, this is unlikely to resonate with most Australians, but the RBA is concerned with the hit uh, to banks' profitability uh, and therefore having a, a, a negative effect on banks' willingness to lend. Uh, it would mean that deposit rates with commercial banks uh, would fall to zero and maybe even go negative. It would mean that those households that rely on fixed income, uh, capital stable investments, let's say, would have to run down their savings in order to meet expenditures. Uh, these are people that are typically in or near retirement. Uh, super funds that are managing the retirement incomes of their members in capital preservation accounts and annuities would likely see drawdowns in these accounts. It may even lead to households withdrawing funds from the bank to stuff in their mattresses, uh, so to speak. In fact, the RBA has already noted an increase in the demand for notes and coins by the public, which when you think about, about it in the current environment, it's extraordinarily an extraordinary turn of events given you know, the increase in online sales using credit cards. Negative interest rates would also drive investors into higher yielding, more risky assets, presumably boosting valuations of those assets. Um, an interesting paradox arises here, I think. It's often argued, for example, that fiscal stimulus results in a generational transfer from the uh, younger generation to the older generation. Uh, the younger, the older generation uh, who are in retirement don't pay taxes, uh, whereas the younger generation are forced to pick up the future tax burden associated with servicing a ballooning government debt and paying down deficits. But maybe negative rates are the revenge of the millennials against the baby boomers, as the younger generation benefits from savings 
weighted into risky assets. They have uh, a whole lifetime ahead of them, so they can afford to uh, to uh, invest in risky assets and wear the volatility of those risky assets, while boomers see their savings eroded uh, through low interest rates and inflation. Uh, boomers, of course, being loaded into uh, capital stable type of investments. Also, I think super funds that are managing to find benefit account benefit accounts will also come under funding pressure. To meet their liabilities, uh, they'll be forced to move their asset allocation into more risky, high-yielding assets. And this exposes those funds to greater volatility associated with risk assets, leaving uh, those defined benefit funds potentially exposed to moving from surplus into deficit, not being able to meet their liabilities, in other words, in the event of bear markets in risk assets. Wow, there's a lot to take in there, Matthew. And you mentioned the super funds and the impact to them. And I was thinking around that institutional investor perspective. So what signals do you believe negative interest rates could then send in respect to highlighting a potential underlying structural problem with our economy? I think, you know, if we went to negative rates, it would lead Australia to being the first Anglo-American economy to take policy rates negative. It would put us in the company of Japan and Europe. And even Japan and Europe have not lowered rates further during COVID. In addition to lowering yields on Australian assets, it would also raise issues around the stability of the Australian dollar. So while negative cash rates would devalue the currency and improve competitiveness of our goods and services exports and our import competing industries, personally, I can't see it enhancing our attractiveness as an investment destination for international institutional investors. Thank you, Matthew. And with the pandemic looking like a reality for us into the medium term, the role of government and the central banks appears increasingly important. And with that monetary policy being signals as ample, as you mentioned earlier, through tight interest rates not being the problem, rather consumer confidence, we're really starting to see, I suppose, the starting signs of some real fraying in that relationship between the RBA and the government, which is, of course, so important to our recovery here. Interest rates might, um, negative interest rates rather, might have an inverse impact and perhaps further amplify the problem as part of the recovery process. Thank you for listening to us on Take 10 this morning. Have a super weekend ahead.